I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Thursday, August 29, 2019. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. So they took the bull position or built the bull case and they're headed up toward and potentially through the 50 period moving average. Now, how can I just say probably through so cavalier like that? It wasn't meant to be cavalier. I'm just saying that it wouldn't be out of the ordinary. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for them to try and spike the market up into the holiday weekend and slightly beyond the holiday weekend. Let's think about this for a second. Just put this visually in your mind. Let's say the market closes Friday. Let's just say that happened up here. Is that bullish or bearish? that will be deemed as bullish. We don't know this is going to happen. We don't know this to be the case. Maybe tomorrow the market is down. Maybe they're fighting to go fill the gap. Anything is possible. We're just going with the possibilities before we even dig into the other charts. We haven't even got there yet. This is the 30,000 foot view using the daily chart. And if we want to keep everything in perspective, we have a bear flag or a bear wedge pattern operating like this. So we can certainly come up, we can peek our head above or the market can peek her head above the channel. That would get everybody bullish if we closed above here, got above the 50 period moving average no doubt the media would have a field day. Because it's not around the corner, that would mean another big up day. Again, more ammunition. They want to build the bullish case while they build the ad revenue book. Going into the day before a holiday weekend, we have Labor Day on Monday, the market's closed. So we need to know a couple of things. It's a regular trading day in the equity markets and other markets tomorrow. Sunday night into Monday, it gets a little squirrely when you look at the futures. Doesn't really make a difference. They open, they close, they open, they close. But for the most part, the market's closed on Monday. We'll be back Tuesday live. Where are we going to be? Where are we going to close out the week? Where will we close out the month of August? That's another thing that's coming up. We have the close of August. We have the first part of September. We're going into a holiday weekend headed toward the top end of a bear flag pattern. Very interesting scenario. Notwithstanding the fact that the 50 period moving average is about 15 or so S&P handles away. It's not that far. Last we spoke, where did we say the first place the major area of resistance would come in for the market? Right here. The high of the breakdown candle. What happened? We spiked through the high of the breakdown candle and then they backed away from that price zone. That in and of itself is not bullish or bearish. It's actually garden variety, normal garden variety market behavior. The first run into a price zone is generally your best opportunity of a reaction away from that price zone. So the first time we hit that breakdown candle high, That was your best opportunity for a quick short scalp trade, a short trade of some sort, if a trader was so choosing to be on that side of the market. 
292.76 is that high we just spoke about. What does it look like on the shorter term chart? So this morning, they did the thing where they come up short, they miss it, trade away, looks like a failure on our hands, and then they make another run, go up, stall out for a while, trade sideways, eating some time off the clock right on top of that number, try to spike through toward the end of the day, only to close below. That also is garden variety expected behavior. For them to close above that high on the first run would be extremely bullish number one, but also extremely unlikely. We'll put that in the camp with the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time or more, that's just not going to happen. What did happen? We really didn't have a big reaction away from that price zone. We filed that information away. It's definitely important information. We had the reaction before we got to that zone. That's the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew at work. Is this yet telling us anything for tomorrow, for Friday's activity? Is it giving us a lead-in to Friday? Not necessarily. It's potentially something in development. We're going to look at some other charts and we'll see what we see. The hourly chart. What is this chart telling us? Well, we do have this long tail candle. We're not using it for any in particular special purpose other than using it to be the low. We're going to use it as a bogey. For example, market opens Friday on a gap down. It's gapping down below that low. That's negative. Market opens Friday, opens down a little bit, tests that low, and immediately begins trading away from that low in the northern direction. That would generally be bullish. It's not set in stone. We have to see the market tomorrow to make a determination. But the reality is, when I put something out, for example, for Inside the Numbers members, and what they saw today was I was focused early in the morning on whether or not the market was going to likely trade sideways, eating some time off the clock, or was going to actually give up the lows and hand the ball back to the bears. When I look around the market, I'm looking for what I like to call and what other traders like to call the read. We're looking for the read of the market. I'm looking around the horn. Everybody's looking at something different. We all have our favorite stuff. Some traders like indicators. Some traders focus on a particular chart. Some traders focus on volume. Whatever you focus on, it doesn't matter as long as you get the read on the market. So what am I looking at? So for example, this morning, I'm watching the financials. I'm watching the transports. I'm watching the IWM. I'm watching other things. I'm watching some individual stocks. I want to see what's going on. Are there any discrepancies in the market? And frankly, I saw no discrepancies, so I began stating the bull case. It looks like they're doing everything on the bull side that we were going to do. We start drawing a line in the sand. For example, when the market was up near 292, we started discussing the fact that if the market fell, 291 would have to hold, and I began discussing it because of the read of the rest of the market. I'm looking at the IWM. It has relative strength. I'm looking at the transports. Relative strength. The financials. Relative strength all against the S&P 500. That's generally a sign of bullishness. Can they flip the switch on a dime? Absolutely. A piece of news slides across the screen. Next scene shows we have a huge reversal on our hands. That happens all the time, but that wasn't happening today unless it happened. 80-20 rule. When the setup is like it was 
and everything is lit up green across the board, we're not looking to sell into strength. We're looking for A, either opportunities to take profit if we were long. Why would we have been long, for example? Well, if you go back to yesterday, we began the setup for a long trade. The market goes up. It begins building a bull flag pattern. Nobody believes, nobody across the entire market believes the market's going any higher anytime soon. We know that just hours earlier, for example, we missed the gap by two cents, hit a rocket ride off of it, and the market has shown no signs of real stringent overhead resistance. And that basically applies to since we hit that gap or came up short of that gap. Here's a 120-minute chart. It looks very similar to the daily chart, just stretched out a little bit. Same highs, same long bear flag pattern. And what we do know is that the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate crew, if they have their way, they're going to try and get the market above the top side of that channel. This is just the way it works, folks. I mentioned before selling into strength. There are two ways or two forms, I should say, of selling into strength. You're in a long position, for example, from Wednesday afternoon, looking for the bull flag pattern to play out. You get handed a gap up in the morning. When you show up at the opening bell, the market is already up 30 handles, for example, or whatever the number is from where you entered the trade. You're given a gift. Could the market go higher? It could, but you have no choice but to at least sell a portion of the position into the strength like that. And that is at a bare minimum. We all know the main reason why. And this is certainly a matter of perspective, but you're here because you want to hear how I look at things sometimes. So I'm going to show you how I look at this one. You have a small or a large bucket full of calls. You bought them on Wednesday. You're in weekly calls. I don't advocate this, but I know it goes on every day, all day. So we talk about it. You really think by Friday, the market can get up into that 200 period moving average, for example, up to those highs in and around 294, something in that neighborhood. You want to have some calls to get up there. The problem is that the market is handing you a gap up on Thursday. You have to take the trade off the table. You don't know if the market's only going to be up there for a few minutes. And if we get below the low of the day and begin trading down toward the gap, again, the 80-20 rule begins to come into play. You don't know whether the next gap is going to act like the previous gap. They hand you a big trade at the opening bell, and then they take it away. And now you're left wondering if they're going to give it to you again. Most of the time, they don't. They typically shake you out first. And then they give it to somebody else. Here's one. I actually got this off the television screen, mute on. All I saw on the screen was investor sentiment. They were discussing investor sentiment, knowing the way I am. I can't help but pick it apart. They're taking a poll, supposedly, of investor sentiment. So let's just say for argument's sake, they call somebody up and they want to know what their sentiment is. Or they stand at the mall with a clipboard. Who knows what they do? Has anybody ever gotten a survey? An investor sentiment survey? How about a survey from the Bureau of Labor Statistics asking if you're employed? We always hear about these statistics and numbers and poll data, but you never meet anybody that actually got the survey. Anyway, I digress. We're talking about investor sentiment. Where does the average Joe out there 
get his opinion from. So let's just say it's somebody that's not in tune every day with the market. They just want to have some information so they flip on the TV or they go to a blog or however they choose to consume the information, they go get what they want. It's at that moment in time that their sentiment is created at an instant. So who creates it? The media. Whoever they're consuming the information from, let's just use CNBC as the example. Average Joe turns on CNBC, wants to know what's going on with the market. He hears some rumblings. He watches maybe 15 or 20 minutes of CNBC and they were extremely bearish. All of a sudden the phone rings and there's the investor sentiment survey people. They want to know how Joe feels. What's he going to tell him at that point in time? I'm nervous about the market. I'm not looking to invest anytime soon. Great. Thank you, sir. We put Joe in the bear camp. So are they taking the investor sentiment data every day? Or are they taking the investor sentiment data at a specific point in time? Or do they take it when they need it because something happened? It's a pretty good and fair question. I don't have the answer. I don't have a clue when or how they take it. I'm just saying, it's time to switch over to the IWM. You can see the daily chart and you can see how we got really quite a bit above and closed above the 20 period moving average. That's bullish. Now we're coming into its big high of its breakdown candle pretty soon, which resides at, and we'll get the number in a second, the high of this breakdown candle happens to be 150.11. 150 is a juicy number. It's exactly a dollar higher than the closing price today. Accident or coincidence? Just notice that. Pretty slick, isn't it? But here's what we have on deck for Friday. Unless something happens in the morning to give markets another boost, which could happen, or pull the rug out, which could happen, if markets are relatively quiet on Friday, leading into a holiday weekend, you're going to get very little activity throughout the entire day. Little bit in the morning, things quiet down, and everybody takes off. They want to go away for the weekend. They're not thinking about the market. They don't want to be involved in the market Friday afternoon into a holiday weekend. They just want to be with their families. They want to be with their friends. They want to enjoy themselves. They don't want to think about it. So the volume will tend to get lower and lower and lower as the day goes on. And what's actually happening is it's just computer-driven back-and-forth activity. And this is if the market is quiet. It's obviously unless something material is going on at the time. But if we're getting one of those Friday float days, it's a bunch of back-and-forth chop shop at its finest that's it your best bet is to stay away from it if it is that type of market where can the iwm go on the northern side well you can see pretty clearly there's a couple of important areas coming up there's really two or three that i can see visually that stand out on the screen the first one we just talked about it's above 150 150 11 The next one is the pivot, which is the high from the day earlier, which comes in around the same price as the 200 period moving average. We'll just call it 151 for argument's sake. I don't even have to bring it up. We know it's in the camp of 151. So we know that there's a couple of steps, a dollar away and then $2 away. And that's how we're going to visually and also numerically manage the IWM. The transports belong to the same camp as the IWM. They were both leading in the northern or upward direction today in a pretty big way. So that is market leading indications. Doesn't necessarily have to be long term. Could be for another day or so. Same routine. Up into those moving averages, a natural area of overhead resistance. 
Anything different or new or unique to report in the queues? Not really. It's the same thing we've been discussing. Doesn't mean they can't get up to the top of the channel. You can see what happens is as time goes on, the top of the channel moves. And as it moves and price goes to chase after the top of the channel, it becomes torture for the bears. That's just the way these patterns work out. Not sure exactly who the who is, but maybe it's something like five guys in a room. They don't want you to be in the trade if they're going to take the market down in a big way. They're going to try and shake out as many traders, as many investors as they can. That's just the way it works. Do we see anything different in the XLF? Not really. Same routine, different symbol, different name, pretty similar looking chart. All markets pretty much trade together. Not every day, not to the same magnitude, but in large part. SMH, same routine, but we have to take notice of where it is on the chart in relation to the moving averages. I don't know whether it does or doesn't matter. However, we want to note it. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. We need to know and understand that in terms of the SMH, it's above all the moving averages on the daily chart. Same thing applies to the weekly chart. Tomorrow's the close of the week. Not sure if this is trying to give a hint of something more or not. Certainly a puzzle piece. It's on the table. We have to note all this stuff. This is how we put the storybook together. How about gold? We have a lot of folks that follow gold. I don't cover gold every day. I know there are some folks, some traders, some investors out there that would like me to cover gold every day. When it doesn't really move much, I just kind of gloss over it. But when it is making a move, I like to bring it up as long as I can remember. And we can't remember everything. That's what they invented sticky notes for. Gold is above all the moving averages. It's in an obvious uptrend, but it is, and I hate to do this, but I have to, it's in air quotes, overbought. It's more evident on the weekly chart, but when you look at something like that and you see that type of candle developing, it will be awful interesting to see where gold closes out the week and what type of candle it puts in. Is it going to have a reversal? And a reversal doesn't necessarily mean it's changing trend, but it can certainly reverse for a week or two or more. And gold can, as we all know, move down just as quickly, if not quicker, as it moved up. Where is the first area of logical support for gold? It's going to be down near the big fat round number of 1500. Maybe they come up short, maybe they spike it through. 1510, 1505, 1495, 1490, in and around 1500, there will be buyers that show up. There will be a bull bear fight either before or slightly thereafter 1500. And with that, folks, I will pull the ripcord here. It's everything that I wanted to and intended to discuss tonight. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. I appreciate all of you. I appreciate all the viewers, subscribers, the followers. I appreciate all the loyal fans. Thank you very much. These videos are only possible because of you. And thank you for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.